Hello, I'm Alessandra Torrisani, and you're listening to season three of Emotional Support. I can't believe that I just said that. Season three. How is that even possible? This has been such a wild ride. Talk about a roller coaster of emotions. I am so thrilled to be back here at home with you. Well, maybe you're in your car, or you know what? Maybe you're in the bubble bath. That's my favorite place to listen to a podcast. I highly recommend it. Wherever you are, you are here with me and I am here with you. And this is the only place in the entire world I would want to be. I'm over the moon to be back. I've missed you all so much. You have no idea. There have been a lot of hard times, a lot of great times, and well, um, a lot of times, right? That's a good way to see it. But I'm back. I'm here, and I am here to provide you with the best guests, the most fun, all the conversation on mental health, on mental illness, on just our emotions, and how we need support more than ever. But I have some exciting news, a little breaking news, if you will. We are going to be doing emotional support live. Yes, I say we because that's me and you. You can come onto the live stream. You can ask a question. You can just come hang out. I can't even believe this is going to happen. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, I love technology. I just can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to hear your mental health story because guess what? It's going to be mental health story time. So that's going to come in a few weeks. There's some new incredible things going to be dropping. So much more fun than we've ever possibly had on this podcast. But in the meantime, I want to premiere with the best of the best, the host with the most, my other half, David Haggerty, presenting the first episode of season three, Beauty and the Brain, where we talk all things resiliency. What does resiliency mean to you? Let me tell you, it was the hardest question I've ever had to ask myself. I'd love to know what you think. So please be sure to leave a review, write a comment, say all the things that you are just wanting to get off your chest. Because you know what? These reviews, they are important. They are so, so important. You have no idea. And I read every single one of them. I will even read them live on the air for you. So be sure to write the podcast, subscribe, review, like, share, and well, I love you and I missed you. And I want to remind you, we all have emotions. We all need support and you are my emotional support. I hope you enjoy. I love you so much. Hit it, Barrett. Welcome to Emotional Support. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrisani. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is the first episode back of season three of Emotional Support, and I am here with my better half. I could not do a brand new episode without you. Look at that beautiful face. We are recording this. Oh you are in the lab right now. We are here with Beauty in the Brains, David Haggerty. David, it's season three. Can you imagine? Wow. Where did the time go? Where did the time go? <laughs> because honestly, In my brain, it's like November of 2019 still, but like, here we are. 
I mean, here we are. We're still like with, well, we both have masks on before this. We took them off. We're far apart. You're currently in the lab working. You have not only been um, such a big help on beauty in the brain and emotional support um, on helping so many people. You have helped so many people in regards to COVID um, and safety and animal rights. And I have to tell you that our last closing episode of season two was the most listened to episode of all time. Um, and that says a lot because we had some insane, insane numbers um, on a few of uh, the celebrity uh, interviews. And it just proves that the world wants to hear what David Haggerty has to say. Oh, man. <laughs> no pressure, right? No pressure at all. Um, a lot of things also happened. Can we say congratulations for getting engaged? Yeah. Wedding is like soon. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. This is a bachelor like party, like bachelor nation. Watch out David Haggerty in Vegas. First and foremost, how are you doing? How is your mental health? How are you surviving these past couple months that I, I mean, I've obviously seen you, but the listeners um, have not got to hear, you know, how you're doing. Um, the world is still crazy on fire. Totally. Um, we're back, full capacity, students in classrooms. I'm teaching a course this fall. Fantastic. I don't know if it's online or in person yet, but like I'm in a room by myself. So I could take my mask off, but like full mask mandate at the university wow. still. Um, if you didn't notice, I'm at a university that their mask mandate policy went to the Supreme Court. Really? They ruled that we can do masks and that we can require vaccinations for our students. So like wow. we're doing the stuff. Right. We're like right. trying, um, right. you know, I'm planning a wedding with people like mandated vaccines there like we're like you know i feel like we're at this like weird inflection point of the pandemic where we're like all doing the best we can right yeah and like everybody wants to judge everybody else about like it's like it's almost like an olympic sport of like who can be the most risk adverse in some communities mm -hmm. and i'm like i just like i'm trying to do the best i can well like living my life and making sure that I'm not like putting people at absorbent risk and like that's how I'm doing well there's a lot of opinions about that you know what I mean well but, like, no but you know, here's like, you know I, I I I haven't really like talked about anything and I don't really feel it's the need to speak on you know what my opinion is and what I say you should do and whatnot yeah, I am not the CDC but but they, exactly but like kind of the way that I feel is just be a good person, right? And protect yourself in whatever capacity that means. And I have to say, like, I do know, I I, I spoke to somebody who, um, I, I'm not even gonna get into like their personal details as to why they, they could not get the vaccine, okay? But it was actually a health risk thing and it had to do with mental health. Um, and it had to do with an adverse effect with the medication. And they had to make a choice to get off the medication slowly but surely. Um, and I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, are you talking about you? I'm like, no, I'm not talking about myself. No. Um, no, but this was something that I had to seriously speak to somebody who was a parent. Um, their 
child is, um, you know, not really able to make their own decisions. Um, they are 19 years old. So they are, while they are an adult, um, they, you know, unfortunately can't be in charge of their own mental health and their own physical yeah. health and their choices. And I think that, you know, the one thing that I just want to clarify on, you know, this podcast as a general rule is this is a safe space and a trusted space where you can come and there's going to be no judgment. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I think that that's where I'm having a lot of hard times is because I'm hearing so many different stories uh, of people vaccinated, unvaccinated, medicated, unmedicated. And as someone who lives with a mental health illness, right, and has been on medication her entire life um, and is kind of at this like weird crossroads of, you know, what do I do for my own personal health? What do I do for my own mental health? I certainly, you know, just want people to do what is best for themselves, what's best for the people around them, and just take care of you in whatever capacity that is. Because I have seen so many friends and so many families who, you know, maybe could not be the first ones to get vaccinated or the first ones to get the COVID, you know, medication, whatever they need to get. And they're being bullied and being called, you know, oh, well, you're killers and you don't care. And it's like, you know what, like this negativity, we can't have this right now in our lives. And we can't ha harbor all of this, this, this sadness and this attack and this anger. Um, so this is going to be a safe space where we believe in science and we believe in love and we believe in energy and woo-woo and, and all this. But this is a mental health space where you can come and you can be you and there's no judgment. It is a judgment-free zone and we love you um, and we are just here to support. We're here to provide you with as much information as we possibly can. But at the end of the day, I, I don't want to be that show that's throwing things down your throat and saying you're a bad person if you do not do A, B, and C. Um, that's all. That's kind of how I wanted to start the how season. How will we ever get any listeners if we don't choose to tell people what they should or shouldn't be Right? Doing? I know. <laughs> I, I just, I, it's so hard. I feel like I can't enjoy anything and it doesn't yeah. matter what my opinion is. I, it's so God frustrating. have a stance. God forbid you have a stance. And you know what? I don't want a stance. I just want to have friends and I just want to have love and I want to have good energy. And I just want to be able to have a safe space where we can kind of, not even safe space. I hate that word safe space. I don't know why I keep saying it. A trusted space. <laughs> Nothing is that's safe what anymore. you're supposed to say. Right. That is, that's what you're supposed to say. It's not safe. This is just, uh, you know, a trusted environment. Yeah. You're here with David and myself and we just want you to take a load off from all of that, 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 you know, energy and those vibes and the negativity that's out there in the world. And this is just a place for you to take, you know, your, your take, take your shirt off if you want, you know what I mean? Get sexy, get relaxed, just be you. Oh, if you yeah. wanna lay here and be naked with us, be naked here with us because we are emotionally naked here for you. Um, I think that that's my two cents. Is that okay to say that? Is that like yeah. controversial for me not to be controversial? Uh, no, I mean, by not being controversial, you're being controversial, but whatever, <laughs> you know. You know how this world works. What can I say? This is what I want to do is oh. I just want to uh, be a, a good person, you know. Yeah, I've started pushy. sending people like amongst like a couple of friends that are scientists. They've like generated like a funny social media post. 
that's like <laughs> I've done my own research and it's like a quiz like a biology quiz yeah. it's like what is mRNA like what's the structure like draw yeah, it like yeah. and I like I, like this is where we've gone right like it's right. mind-blowing to me yeah like and I just like look like you know listen to real scientists you know like I understand people are scared I have convinced why fair share of friends and family members to get the vaccine I have friends that are immunocompromised, that have MS, that have all these other immune disorders who have gotten both shots and now have had to get in the booster. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, you know, like, this is not, I think what I'll say about it is it's not a one size fits all. No. Like, thank you for saying that as a scientist. I really appreciate that because that is something that's not being talked, but it's some truly David, it's not something that's not being talked about is it's not a one size fits all. And it's about, listen to people and 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 do the research do the work for yourself yeah. we have to take care I of mean, ourselves you you really do there's been like a total total like this is i think the funny thing about like doing this podcast i like think about this and like talk to people about it and like people care what scientists have to say but like you have to be approachable like you have to be a human you have to be a human like you know for the the vast majority of people in public right now their fears are unfounded, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's a lot of evidence-based science that is going on right now. Like, this is not a global experiment anymore. We're at, like, 5 billion people have been vaccinated across right. the world, and we have, like, a handful of adverse reactions. But, like, there is so much misinformation. Right. There is so much... You Like, when you play telephone as, like, a kid, right. and, like, the, like, story changes, like, every totally. time it, like there's so much going on that like i think that everybody just like needs to take a step back and be like hey this is the current status of the world right am i taking care of myself and am i putting others at risk right and like if you can't answer those questions truthfully like look in the mirror and reevaluate your decisions but like i am done having intellectual fist fights with people who like just don't know their stuff right. and like that's fine that they don't know their stuff but just like i hope that people would think about not only themselves and their safety and health, but just like the others around them. You know, like I think that with going back to school, like like I said, you know, like I work at a university. Like it's a little bit different of the age population that I see, but like, you know, like there are many grade school teachers who are dealing with unvaccinated kids in classrooms. And like I just hope that we as a society to decide to like realize that those children's lives may be more important to protect than whatever else like computation is going on in your brain. Like, I really think that like, like so many bad things have happened in the last year and a half, two years, not even like in the health domain, but just like in the world that like, it really you mean how the world is falling apart. Yeah. Yes. That, <laughs> it's like that, really that frustrating to yeah. see people do the like back of the napkin math and like, in my personal opinion, get it wrong. Like, why can't we just, like, decide, like, hey, this is the best way forward for everyone. Like, let's work together. But like I in think science, that... we talk about on standing on each other's shoulders right. as, like, a way to make progress and, like, not on each other's heads. And, like, if we just stop demonizing the people and, like, help them understand and, well, like, and that's have, like, some thing. sort of, like, collective thinking around this totally. stuff. And, like, this isn't about the vaccine. It's about everything. Totally. Like, and it, I think that's the problem is problems? that 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 demonizing of people if they don't. It's not even if they don't understand. I mean, I'm not a fucking scientist, right? I don't know. I'm not trying I to am, be a scientist. And I don't even know any of this shit. Like, right, I'm exactly. very good at like a very specific subset right? of science, and the rest, I'm like, I don't. 
I don't understand it, but but I'm going to come from it from a mental health point of view, right? Is like it took so much trial and error of 21 years for me to figure out what was wrong with my brain, right? And I still don't know what's wrong with my brain. It's still like a daily, you know, thing that I deal with. And it's, you know, had to go up in medication, have to go down in medication. Do I get off completely on medication? You know, what is going on with my body? How can I fix myself? And I think that, you know, even talking to other people who live with bipolar disorder specifically, right, we all have different things. There are similarities that you and I have, and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe that you had this fucking manic episode that happened to me, right? And then we do We've this. been this, but exactly. Then we go completely different ways and your story is completely, you know, in, in the words of Natasha Bedingfield, my story is unwritten, right? <laughs> like, what was this the theme song for? It was for the hills. It was for the hills. Yes. But I mean, you know, that's the thing. And I think that, you know, pointing the finger and going, no, you have to do it A, B, and C. You fit into one of three boxes. That is so hard to swallow. And this is even coming from someone myself who believes in science who believes in medication who believes in this stuff it's still very scary right yeah. and i think that if we as a, a society the ones who are upper up whatever government science whatever yeah, yeah. had a heart and came to it from a you know person to person soulful to soulful connection moment talking about it things would have been different because let me tell you, I had a lot of doctors that were like, Oh, well, this is wrong with you. And that's, what's wrong with you. And this is what's wrong with you. And guess what? I was put on antidepressants, which made my highs higher and my lows lower, which then caused me to have a, a suicidal, you know, blah, blah, blah. I won't get into it. Right. So no, there's yeah. a lot of things of not trusting doctors. And I'm someone that had a very hard time trusting doctors. So I'm just very happy that we're on here. And I just want to clarify, you know, for this whole season. Yes, we will talk about this. This will be something that comes <laughs> up. But this is yeah. not going to be, you know, put down your throat. Um, this is just a place. Let's get naked. Let's take our clothes off. Everyone wants to see David naked. But David is taken, ladies and gentlemen. So we cannot do that today. But I we mean, have some amazing questions David um that have been um it's not even that they were written in because you know you and I which we're going to do again for the beauty in the brain segment um you know ask you know you all like write in your questions you know let us know what you want to know from David you know we have him he's here he's in the lab let's take advantage of the brain right now um do I but just need to go like start turning levers back here yeah. like, what's going on? <laughs> With your shirt off, though, remember, you have to do it with your oh, shirt off. Um, but, you know, these were people, a few things happened to me. The, the first question that I that I got was actually, I was asked um, by the, what was it? Oh, oh, fuck. It was like the Bipolar Disorder Organization, all these Some doctors. Conference. Somebody sponsored it. It was like a huge sponsorship and it's all these doctors from around the world that come together mm -hmm. to study bipolar disorder. And I was asked to speak in this and I was like, uh, I'm not a doctor, uh, I'm not a scientist, I don't know what I'm talking about. But the one thing that was missing with this coalition of doctors around the world is they don't hear the lived experience, yeah, right? And that's something that is not- um, They don't want to. Now, can I ask you why they don't want to? <laughs> is it because it's it's it makes it um, hard? No, I think that 
my personal experience as somebody with a lived experience mm-hmm. that is supposed to do impartial research. Mm, how do, uh, isn't it fun to watch the wheels turn in my brain? It's, okay, so, it's, it's amazing because <laughs> also side note, this is going to be posted on video from now on um, the seasons. So we're going to be able to see all of the insights of David Haggerty's mind. <laughs> me speaking with my hands to a computer and looking <laughs> off into space. Um, I need to be media trained. Staff, but whatever. <laughs> um, so the way that this world works is that to be a successful scientist, you have to have creative ideas within the confounds of what everybody else deems fundable and acceptable about the current state of science. There are a, a series of prevailing theories about mental health that like your idea has to fit into that current framework in some way to get research grants to then like move the field forward. Right. And if you deviate too far from that, you're not going to get funded. You won't have any money. You will fall out of like importance. Like your ideas don't get hurt. It's just the way that the world works. Mm -hmm. We can critique, comment, whatever you want on it. But like we have funding agencies across the entire world. Like they fund stuff that they think is interesting that like proves or disproves the theories that we currently have. And like that is how you Mm -hmm. move forward. There is no room for lived experience in that process. Mm. Like, Many, I'm not the first person. I will not be the last person. There are many people that I know, people way more interesting than me, like who have lived experience that like there is no way to integrate that lived experience into the research doctrine in the world if you don't turn it into tangible things that you can do within the framework. So like my research, like my lived experience has to get played out through the ideas that I come up with and different like ways or avenues to study the stuff Mm -hmm. that we do. But like, I have to contextualize it in, hey, I wrote this grant from this approach with these aims, with these research goals and outcomes. And my lived experience might make me write those questions differently or approach the problem differently. Mm -hmm. But like at no point does anybody actually ask me or care about what it's like to live with this thing. Like the creativity has to show up in a way that's digestible to other people. Nobody is ever actually gonna have a forum at a scientific conference Mm -hmm. that asks a bunch of researchers who have lived experience to talk about their personal life. Right. They only wanna hear about how it translates into your science. So fascinating. And, and, And it's funny to hear this, I, I, not funny, but it is funny, right? To hear this now after experiencing this, this, this conference thing that I went to, this big thing, because it was supposed to be in person, COVID hit. So it ended yeah. up just being online. They want to do it next year in China or India or something. And they asked me to speak again. And I was just like, there was a list of questions. There was a PowerPoint presentation. There was yeah. all this stuff. And I was like, hey, y'all, like, I, I don't know. I just do my best work on the fly, you know? And they're like, no, no, no. You oh, have yeah, to have everything sure. written down and all this stuff. I'm mm-hmm. like, right, about that. And they literally <laughs> had one of the questions. Um, that the, the most important question that they wanted to know was, um, what does resiliency mean to you and and how do how do you use 
how do you show resilience in your mental health disorder with bipolar? And I literally, David, I shit you not, I started crying when they sent me like the list of the questions. And I was like, first and foremost, I know I'm a really smart person, but I need to Google what resiliency means because I am like at all sorts of confusion right now. And it wasn't that I didn't to know you? what it meant. I just was no, like- no, no. I laughed because like the first thing- I was that overwhelmed. And so I was like, what definition of resiliency are they using? And literally, they did not clarify. So this was me no. like all taking a gamble, right? So I the had to write this down. Vocabulary, like everything. It is like, uh, this is, so like, this is what I like, you know, like me saying this is like me hoping that somebody that like plans the scientific conferences that I go to, like takes this as a bet to prove me wrong. Right. But like in many ways, they ask people like us to speak on these panels mm -hmm. as like you are a sideshow to the like research. That's Thank you. Occurring. That is exactly how I felt. And I, and I put that feeling aside because I said, you know, I said to Sturgis, I was like, Sturgis, I feel like it's like, oh, let's get the song and dance actress out here because she can tell us how she really feels. No, yeah. It's like an entertainment value thing. And it's like, we, we had this conversation, I think like, all of the scientific conferences that I go to and attend now now have like diversity components of them. Uh -huh. Like needs to happen. Science is like this white male right. bastion of like old right. white dudes and their right. ideas. And like, we've talked totally, about like, this. Burn right. it down, whatever. But like what had happened, like in the response to this was like, we'll have diversity panels at these scientific conferences. And they brought up a bunch of black scientists and I asked them how they were black and how that made them feel. And they never asked them about their science. Wow. And I'm like, you are a scientist wow. from a diverse background. <laughs> we just want to hear you talk about being black. We don't want to hear about the stuff that you do right. at a scientific conference. Right. right. So like in many ways, I feel like that is like the mental health lived experience component of this. People have conferences. They talk about what's going on in clinical, you know, like treatment initiatives, mm -hmm. preventative care for bipolar disorder. And then they invite people who are able to speak eloquently or interestingly about their lived experience. And they give you a little hour slot in between mm -hmm. the research and the research. And everybody like claps and says like, oh, good. And like, maybe you get one person in the audience to think about it differently. And then it's over. Well, and that's, and it's funny because the, the group that I was with is, um, they're called Crest BD and they're based out this of Canada. Not, like, I'm not like, trying to like offend no. them or no, no, like no, no, say no. anything bad oh, to no, them, no, no, but no, like no. this is this is how it works. This is just facts. And <laughs> and it was wonderful because the company that I actually went there with as their guest, basically, is amazing. It's a, a company called Crest BD. They're wonderful. I'm gonna have them on the show. I actually met them through our mutual friend, Ross Ingram, um, the creator of Maslow. Uh, for those who uh have not heard Ross's episode, uh he basically created BB-8, uh, and it's the coolest thing in the entire world. Go back. He's on season one. Um, but Ross introduced me to them, and they were fantastic. But they got asked as researchers to come on, and they were not the ones doing the song and, and pony show kind of a thing. It was it was this conference um, <laughs> that asked them to be part of it. And it was just so fascinating to me because 
you know, they asked me about, um, they wanted me to speak on the podcast. That was the big selling point um, for this conference was what is it like being someone with a lived experience, interviewing people who are doctors, who are celebrities, who are people with other lived experience? What is it like getting their, you know, stories out, how it affects me, all this stuff. So the question of what does resiliency mean to me was kind of this overwhelming thing where I was like, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. And simply because I don't find that I'm quite resilient in the way that I, that I, you know, deal with my mental health. I feel like it's my life. And if I don't fight it, then guess what? I die. It, it, it's, it's, it's really a simple thing. And so we had to go over and, you know, really, I worked so hard with, with one of the doctors, Aaron, who's fantastic. And, and she was helping me like kind of write down and get everything out. And it was like this little mini therapy session from her, honestly, but it was fascinating because I just wanted to share the, the one that I went through is, um, mm -hmm. For me, uh, you know, we all know COVID hit uh, in the middle of season two of last year for for a year and a half ago or whatever. Ugh, where is time? Um, and I didn't want to come back and, and do the podcast because I was doing it out of my house. I'd been used to doing it in a studio with a production company. Um, and so I kind of just like gave up on the dream. Um, and it took our other friend, Dr. Raghu Apasani, um, who literally like shook me up and was like, you know, it's suicide awareness week. What the fuck are you doing? You need to share your story because you heard someone else's story and that saved your life. So why are you being selfish right now? Get up, start your life, start this podcast. Let's start making things happen. Let's get the flow. And so for me, that was actually like the resiliency for me was other people. Like I become a resilient human being in a fight or flight mode when someone shakes the shit out of me and is like, wake up. What is the purpose of life? Why are we sitting here and sulking? Um, but it literally, I'm not even joking. It took me about two weeks to even come up with this story and, and this narrative to help me realize what it meant to me. And I still don't know what it means to me. But I guess, is there something that, that you know, I can take from you? Like, what does resiliency mean to you? Do you even know how you would answer that? I mean, it's really fucking hard. And I, I want you to, who's listening out there, everyone listening, even if it's like five people, Ask yourself this question and just know that it took me week. It took me weeks, but I actually wrote down, I had a whole notepad of paper of what does resiliency mean to me? It was one of the most impactful questions I'd ever been asked. I had no idea how hard it would be for me to answer. So I really recommend um, answering that question. What does resiliency mean to you? So David, pressure's on. You don't have two weeks. You have two minutes. Go. <laughs> What was your definition of resilience? I didn't have one. I just had an experience that I could okay, share. But like, okay, let's like let's walk through this how I would normally. So, I love this. Okay. Um, okay, so like let's define resiliency as like in my mind, it is being able to overcome a difficult task. Yep. Repeatedly. Right. right. So like, okay. Okay. So could we use the example, I guess, of for me, right? A manic episode. Like how would I, how would, what, what is the, the tool and I don't think to be being resilient with that? being resilient though. Hmm. Like uh, to me, like uh, beyond mental health, like if, if you're defining 
resiliency as like the amount of effort required to like complete a task mm-hmm. is like difficult. Like you have to put in a substantial amount of work to achieve some goal that otherwise would cause other people to fail. Uh-huh. Like, and then you have to do it over and over again. Right. If that is the definition of resiliency, like for some people getting out of bed is very difficult every morning. Mm-hmm. And like, you can imagine how, if you're somebody who is experienced acute symptoms of mental illness that like that might be difficult for them right so like is getting out of bed every morning resilient for some sure it's like putting on clothes resilient for something like, what i'm trying to point out here is like that definition is lives on such a sliding continuum mm-hmm. and like i'm trying to walk us here but that question is like to me is kind of like trauma porn oh my god i love that trauma porn like look at us yeah we're successful we can get up and do this and we have lived experience right so like my definition of resiliency falls much further away on that sliding continuum from like somebody who is like experiencing acute schizophrenia and like can't figure out how to eat Mm. but like that is not interesting to people right 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 right, what is interesting to people is that we lived with lived experience and that resiliency slider goes like all the way in the other direction where like you can get up and go shoot a TV show or like I can come to lab and like break stuff and like create new drugs. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what they care about. Right. But when it's phrased through resiliency, what they're really asking you is, is how shitty can you feel and still be wildly productive? God, I just fucking love you so much. Because it's so I mean, like, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, no. give me some pushback here. Because, like, I, what they're asking, especially in the context of, like, hey, I am a person with a lived experience on a stage in front of a bunch of doctors. Like, show off. Do a trick. Fuck. David, I've missed you so much. <laughs> I missed you so much. No, but that's, but, and, and, and it's so true. And I feel like, you know, if I, if I think about it in, 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 in a real everyday life, right? Resiliency is, is for me being able to get up out of bed in the morning, right? I mean, it yeah. really is because that was my, uh, there's, there's parts of my mental illness, right? Where I physically cannot get out of bed. There are moments where I physically cannot eat something and not from a, a oh, I'm on a diet or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. No, I just literally like, every time you I put something it. down my throat, I feel nauseous and I feel sick, you know, because mm-hmm. my body is slowly shutting down. Um, you know, being able to to even write an email sometimes is the hardest thing. I make sure, actually, I, I was speaking about this to someone else when I was not giving advice, but someone asked, like, oh, you know, how do you, you know, how do you live your life? Like, uh, like, guess what? I it, It's very hard. <laughs> That's not what I'll say. <laughs> but I do make sure that every single day I give myself one thing that I have to accomplish. I give myself one um uh, what, oh God, why am I blinking on what, what it is? Like one step, one, I hold, I, I got it. I hold myself accountable for one thing a day, right? I have to walk the dogs, you know, 
up a hill today because it's going to make them happy and I'm doing it for them. I have to write this person back. That's the one thing I have to do. I can, I, I can fuck off everything else, but I have to accomplish this one thing and hold myself accountable. I think holding yourself accountable is, is one of the most important things that you possibly could do, even with simple little tasks of taking a shower, right? Or I have to drink eight glasses of water today. When I try to explain that in that's a form of resiliency for me, right, of the simple things, it's not as exciting, is it, right? It's kind of well, a boring answer. I mean, like, and here's the thing, like, something like resiliency can only be measured by comparison, I think would be my argument. Mm -hmm. Like, alone, I can maybe hypothesize how resilient I am. But if I have nothing else to compare it to, right? I don't know. Yeah. Like, are people who work 90 hours a week in the banking world who like sacrifice sleep, food, familial relationships, friendships, et cetera, to like acquire a specific dollar amount, are they being resilient? And if so, compared to what? Right. Like, how can you put a comparison to that? How can you say that someone is more resilient than someone else? And like, you don't know, like, you know, like, I feel like I used to answer this question when people are like, resiliency, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, I'm a Midwesterner. Like, if you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like you don't exist. Right, right. So like, you learn those skills. And then you get asked to perform those skills over and over again. So like, I guess I'm just better at performing them regardless of how bad my mental illness is mm -hmm. on that specific day. Right. Like if you were to plot symptoms against like the ability to do a task, I think that people who are able to do more tasks while being more symptomatic, like mm -hmm. get labeled as more resilient, but that's not up to them. No. No. Like I just got lucky and my brain is specifically broken in a very interesting way mm -hmm. that allows me to be hyper-productive when I feel ill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it my best work? No. No. But like, can I do a lot of tasks? Absolutely. And like continue to do the things on the checklist while I feel ill? Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel so like wildly like in, insanely lucky to be able to do that. Right. But like that doesn't make me automatically resilient. Yeah. So it, I don't know. Like it, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And I think that the more interesting question is like, how do you be resilient? Like how do I, like there are days that I do not want to get out of bed. Like there are days when I'm like wildly symptomatic. And like, to be honest, now that I'm like, getting better mm -hmm. and like have like made more strides in my career and like prioritize family and friends like these sorts of things more like honestly i think i'm pretty resilient by just like saying now yeah like, if i don't feel good i just don't do it anymore right right but, like you kick the ball down the road until you feel better and like you are confident and believe in yourself enough to be like when i get to this i know i will do my best work and that work is better than everybody else's right but like i can't string that together mm -mm. 45 days in a row no that's no. just not how I operate. Well, I don't think that's how anyone operates. And anyone that says they can have their stuff together for 45 days in a row, like, I'm like, please show I don't me know. your like, secret. Pick a number. Yeah, like, pick a number out of bag. And, like, some people are like that. Like, you know, but, like, I feel like 
being somebody who is like pretty not to like pat myself on the back but like who is like pretty gifted intellectually mm -hmm. to work very hard at it but like doing that work isn't a line mm -hmm. like it's not a linear relationship of being like i show up every day and i do my best work and i am like brilliant 24 7. just right. like does not exist right so like i guess i'm resilient in the fact that like i try i don't give up mm -hmm. i like have the tools and like family and friends and like that support system and safety net necessary to like engage with not feeling well to know when to say no and know when to power through it right right but like i don't know how to answer the question if you just want me to say like here are all the things that i'm special and better at than everybody yeah. else because i don't feel that way. yeah and that's okay you know what I mean? And I think no, that it's that's... like, it's not only that it's okay, like it's wildly okay, but just like, show me somebody who is that person. I don't right. think they exist, but we want them to so bad. Do why? you think that? Like, what... why do we want that person? Right. What do you think that from a scientific, you know, professional <laughs> point of view, like, <laughs> what do you think as humanity and those of us who live with you know well fuck i mean right we all live with mental health at this point yeah. right because of COVID. somewhere on a continuum you exist yeah we 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 are we are here um what do you think that there is something that you know we can do whether to open the eyes to the science world to the pharmaceutical world like what is what i what is the point okay how can i say this you know what is the mission of your life's work? What is the mission of my life's work? How yeah. can we actually make change? We can sit here and talk all day long and we can, you know, get to people, you know, maybe yeah. who don't have anyone to share with mental health with, you know, as I didn't have anyone to share it with and I had to hear Carrie Fisher talk about it. And so when Carrie Fisher started talking about it, I was like, oh, well, I'm not alone. And then I met you and then I met, you know, X amount of people, you know, so there is a comfort in that. What is the mission for us to change all of this? I think that that work, the work that we do, like in the social realm, is like still wildly important. Like awareness, ad campaigns, having conversations like this. Like we live in a world where it is going to take another couple of decades to get probably a better mental health treatment out there. Mm. So, like, in the interim, you have to ask yourself, what are you doing to make the problem better today? Right. Like, my life's work is to, like, contribute to a little slice of the pie that hopefully makes things better on a pharmaceutical treatment, et cetera, level. Right. But, like, I am under no illusion that that stuff is going to happen anytime soon. So, like, I think that you have to ask yourself, like, yeah, I do all this fancy stuff in this fancy room, but, like, you don't get the benefits of what I do here for a long, long time, mm. if you ever get them at all. So like for me to be able to go to sleep at night, like I have to do this kind of stuff. Like I have to know that like there is some, you know, 17, 18 year old kid like me out there who was feeling the way that I did, who like found something like this in media or art or in culture that like will shape that person 
like maybe it makes them a scientist, maybe it doesn't. Like that's not the goal. Like the goal is the goal to, like, is not the actual them. work, like the occupation. Yeah, the, the goal is to like have them have the opportunity to talk about this, to learn the vocabulary, to point them in the right direction for resources. Like, you know, like I couldn't only do that. Like that's why I do this stuff mm -hmm. here too. Right. But like the the people that are doing the work on a day-to-day -day basis, the people who are at the nonprofits, the people who are like talking about it, being about it, like in many ways, putting their own mental health at risk to like mm -hmm. help others are like the real unsung heroes of like managing this crisis right now. Like while we do this stuff in these buildings to try and make better drugs and treatments. Right, right. Like changing stigma around mental health will be the most important thing we ever do. Like I can make a drug that cures everybody tomorrow, but if people are still so stigmatized by mental health, they're not going to fucking take it. Right. Right. So like, I don't just like magically snap my fingers and be like, Hey, here's a pill that I made in this room. Yeah. Like, and it's going to solve Like, no, like there is still this like social cultural, like environmental, like component to like what we do here. And you've got to be smart enough and nimble enough, I think, as a researcher to jump back and forth between the two and understand where you are in that equation at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And like, you kind of have to be able to switch back and forth and be like, I understand the value and the importance of the work that I'm doing here, but I also don't have the blinders on to what's happening outside of my window right now. Yeah. And like people that choose not to look outside of the window, I think are honestly the worst researchers that we can Wow. Like we need more people to understand culturally the public health, like what is going on? Because that informs it. It helps ask those research questions. It helps give you those other lenses to look through to solve these problems. You can't just think that like you're gonna lock yourself up in Pfizer and like not understand what's going on in the world and like pump rodents full of drugs until you cure the world. Right, right. Like you might get lucky, but like you're certainly not gonna do it as planned. Right, right. So, like, I think it's that approach of, like, you have to be able to see it from both ways. You well, have to be able to hold those two things, like, in your hands at the same time and understand what both of them mean to, like, move forward. Because, like, you got to understand that, like, the work that you're doing and others are doing in this world, like, is a huge undervalued component. Like, not to go back to vaccines. But, like, look what happens when you make the cure and no one wants it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why would you think it would be any different if I figured out a way to cure schizophrenia tomorrow if we still treated people who are schizophrenics like shit? Right. 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 And I think that that's a, something that's so important that's not talked about is, you know, it's you and I have talked about this a lot on and off the podcast, certainly, <laughs> on um, what a hot topic mental health is and how um, people seem to be coming out of the woodwork and they all have something going on. And, well, yes, the more that the word is talked about and are used in vocabulary, yeah. and the, the great. The more comfortable it is, the more loose and awesome, right? But then there's also the kind of backside of it all, and, and not even the dark side, but just the, the other side, yeah. 
where, you know, people are misinformed. And it's less about the actual information of like what the definition of schizophrenia is, what the definition of bipolar is, um, what the definition of a borderline personality is, you know. But it's more about making it like a hot topic where it's cool to have it and not having resources if you do really have this and you are really struggling um, and you see people who are successful and who are famous or who are bloggers on social media that are using it. And here are five TikTok tips on to curing your depression. You know, you and I talk about this, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. And they do it with their fingertips and they're like, ooh, ooh, ow, ooh, ooh, you know? And like, okay, great. I'm glad that the younger generation is talking about it, but there's also some Something that's very dangerous about it um, on not giving those resources because guess what if you do those five tips right that they say and you still feel like you're fucked what do you do you know nothing and, and nothing <laughs> that's exactly. the current situation and so and I honestly, think it's it's so hard, right? Like, how can we make sure that we are using our voices and being the voices, not the ones that are heard, like, listen to me, I'm the number one, but be able to provide the proper facts and be like, oh, let's pull it back a little bit. Now we're getting a little out of control. Yeah, I mean, look, like, it's easy to point at people, especially children on TikTok, and be like, you're wrong. Is it because they look prettier than us? <laughs> oh God, I wish I was a hot teenager. So <laughs> um, look, like maybe that's something to do with it. Don't get me wrong. But like as somebody who is like a, a, an academic or publicly, public policymaker, or like somebody who isn't right. that population, it's very easy to like point at that and be like, that is stupid. Right, right. What I think the issue is though, is like, there will be something after TikTok. There will be something after that as well. Like us as the arbiters of like change making from a clinical preventative mental health standpoint. Right. We'll always have to contend with these things. And you can either write it off and be like, that is stupid from a distance. Or you can like get down on your hands and knees and try and understand it. Mm -hmm. Like I will not make a TikTok anytime soon. I'm afraid of what my algorithm would look like. But like, <laughs> I think that like... You have to arm like the the whole reason I do this, whether it's over podcast, over TikTok, over Zoom, over whatever. Like you have to arm people with. A lot of people just work on feeling, mm -hmm. so like you have to give people not only facts to inform those feelings, but like the tone and flow that you speak about things in, like how I present the data is kind of just as important mm -hmm. as the data right so like yes the medium in which it gets delivered is like wildly disorienting to me but like i would like to believe that tiktokers could be sharing things that are helpful i hope so yeah like i'm certainly not trying to stop them i wish the quality was better right I, but it's like these are the mediums in which you reach people mm -hmm. like and that's just so where we are in the world figure out yeah like you gotta figure out how we can better optimize those messages arm the people that are making those pieces of content better and so much of it is based off of like a, a 
penalization system. Like, hey, you've done this thing wrong. Now let's like slap your wrist and say right. that this is stupid. And it's never like, hey, we recognize that this stuff is going on. Like in an unbranded, unobtrusive way, how do we help these people make better content? Yeah. I'm not saying like you should be the nonprofit. Like there is space for that. Don't get me wrong. But like, I really think that like a majority of this needs to be like without putting your piece of branded content on this TikTok, like how do we help these people deliver better messaging? Because yeah. it's not about selling a brand or a product. No. It's like about people's health. And their livelihood so, like, and I their think mental that health. That should and... be a different yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want you to ever look at my TikTok. That's what I'm asking you for. I have archived more videos than you could possibly imagine <laughs> of me being bored during COVID, dressed in nothing but a bikini, you know, doing the dishes and pulling out the trash. It is not for someone to see. It is not attractive. Everyone is like, mom, go home. This is not great, you know? But I think that it's important for us to keep having these yeah. kinds of conversations. And I think that that is just the next step forward. I think it's also important for, uh, you know, yes, you are very young, David, but, you know, you are of the youth. But I think it is important for us to also see and feel the energy of what the science is like from a younger person's point of view as well, and that being you, right? Because when you think of scientists, you think, oh, doc Dr. Fauci, right? You think like 80-year-old white male, like we talked about, right? You're white, I'll be sorry, you are white. white. Yeah, you will be an 80-year-old white male, but for <laughs> right now, you're yes. not. <laughs> right now, you're not, okay? You're you're a hip scientist going on a bachelor party wearing hip. Fashion Nova, you know? Um, but I think that it's important for us to see and feel and hear and just, you know, absorb all the information we can from a scientist of a younger generation that understands it. Like, we need that Gen Z point of view um, when it comes to the facts. And so I think that you need to keep, you know, saying how you feel and expressing and letting people know that you're not alone because not only are you a scientist and you're hip, you're Mr. Hip, um, but you're also someone that. who lives with bipolar disorder and has lived experience. And I think yeah, that's important. I mean, it is tough. I, in many ways, like in any career path, you have to learn to play the game. But I think that it's starting to get to a point where like playing the game isn't so self-harmful anymore. Right. I have a lot of control. Like, right. and it might not be like that in other industries for other people my ages. Like, don't get me wrong. But like, I have a lot of freedom to craft my narrative in a way that I want to. And like, I know it definitely pisses some people off. But like. Good. I've like got a lot of room and I think that, you know, like if you're smart, if you're motivated, if you want to go to medical school, if you want to help people, like yeah. if you want to, like there is a space that's sort of evolving in the background to be like a good faith arbiter of what is happening right. in the research world and like social and cultural movements and like changing curriculum. Like, the stuff that I do in the university behind the scenes, like I never thought I'd have any input on. Like right. I'm on hiring and firing committees. Why? Why? <laughs> Why me? But I mean, like people care. People yeah. care about your perspective. Sometimes they just want to sell your trauma. So they look like they're doing the right thing outwardly facing. But like if you have the foresight and ability to like play the game, mm. you can make a real impact. God, 
I, I just, I missed you so much, David. I you know where to find me. I mean, I know where to find you, but I feel like, <laughs> you know, those out there, they haven't heard that, that, that sensual voice of a scientist, oh, of Gen it. Z, you know? So here's my question. You know, I don't yes. think I've ever asked you this. And I ask every guest this. Maybe I have, and I'll go back, and I'll feel like a complete idiot. But since this is the beginning of season three, and we're setting the tone, um, and there's going to be so much more beauty in the brain, and we're going to be doing this more than people, uh, maybe more than they even want, okay? But now we know in the algorithm, you are loved, so we are going to use David Haggerty. <laughs> more beauty in the brain. Um, <laughs> but we'll say this. For right now, for season three, you can have a new answer if you want. But, Dr. David Haggerty, what is your emotional support? Look, it's, I, I don't know if you've actually ever asked me this. Have I not? See, I didn't remember. I, I think that you might have in person. Yeah, that would make like, sense. I ask yeah. everyone in person, but I don't too. Know, I think it's changed. And that's why I, I, I'm so curious since this is the fresh start. Like This is like wild. So like, I mean, like, we'll overshare because that's what we love. That's doing. what we do. I've been doing a bunch of work in therapy. Not about like my childhood so much, but like what the fuck has happened in the last five years. Mm. Like, you know, like I feel like I was very symptomatic. I started getting help. Like I started doing better. I'm like making strides in my career and I'm like looking back and I'm like, what, how, right. what, like all of these things have changed the way I view myself from the past sometimes like really isn't representative of who I am anymore. Right. Like I've made a bunch of progress objectively, measurably, like all of these things that I can point to resumes, like, th but like the way that I feel and treat myself mm -hmm. is still pretty negative. Mm. so it's like i've been doing a lot of work to try and integrate like hey you are doing okay like hey you're being successful like hey you need some more self-confidence like and like a way that i think that has like made me recognize and realize like what's important who's important how to like direct and like distribute my time to people right so like i don't know like i think like where i'm getting at is like i like my emotional support has like changed it's changed but like in a weird way i've recognized that like for a long time it hasn't been me mm. it's been like other like i love to talk about like social safety net theory like all this like wild stuff that's yeah. like others yeah. and like i've always sort of viewed myself as an other like in that narrative, but it's like, really, I'm like trying to like recenter myself as like the person who yeah. I am. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like words are tough right now around this, but like, it is that like sort of like, and I don't know if you've gone through this, but just like that, like feeling where you like look back and like have some sort of interoception, like interoception, like perspective around like who you are, what you've become, like what your values are. Yeah. And like, you struggle to answer those questions and like, you got to like go out and find the answers. I feel like that happened to me recently where it was kind of like this this existential crisis of like, who am I? What am I? Do I, uh, now what? What do I continue doing? You know, I don't know anything else but being an actress. 
do I want to do something else? I wouldn't even know what to do because I've been doing this since I was nine. You know, is this who I am? Is this my identity? You know, it's really interesting. I'm going to do um, an episode. I, I had him on uh, before last season, um, a gentleman named Derek Jameson, and he does past life regression therapy. And it was really fun because he came on and he told me what he did. And I was like, oh, awesome. And I slowly became friends with him. And, and, um, it's actually wild um, because I think we're going to do it for a live stream show, uh, a live podcast. Um, but I did a past life regression therapy session and it was eight hours. And it was, David, I'm telling you right now, when you come to LA, you have to do this. I'll definitely do it. It was, I learned more about my own life and this existential crisis that I was dealing with in eight hours than I did in five years of hundreds of hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of therapy. This is, this is like wild to me too, because like you will obviously get people to listen to this episode and they're like, that is bullshit. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah, But like my point is, isn't it wild what happens when you just like focus in a clear mindset? Like however you get there is however you get there. But like once it happens, it clicks. It's like wild to me. I know. I know. The brain is wild. And that's why I don't care. Like, you know, I, I told a few people that I did it and they're like, oh, that's so crazy. Like, what did you find out? You know? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I don't think you understand. It wasn't really like that. It wasn't what did I find out? It's who did I find out I am? You know, not even just past life, just me, myself, you know, and I opened up and I, I, you know, shared traumatic events and stories that happened to me that I hadn't said out loud ever. Um, And it was the most therapeutic, just this experience. It's, it, it was so, it was so visceral and, and I can just, I, I can see every single thing that happened during that meditative state still. And I almost like get hit by it where I'm like, Oh my God. And then, Oh, that reminds me of this. Um, so I'm going to really like dig deep and talking about one of the lives that I went through. Um, and it was just phenomenal, but I guess my point is however, you get there, right? Whatever tool you find that clicks to put you into that mindset um, of healing, fuck, do it, do yeah. it. What, whatever wild. it is, there's no judgment, you know? And if other people judge you, ah, screw them. You know what I mean? Come here, write us. I, I guarantee you David and I have done a lot kookier things than, <laughs> than anyone could even imagine the I'm stuff that we've been through. To Tulum to do a new moon sweat lodge experience. Okay, wait, David, stop right now. I literally started watching this show on Hulu and they're always in sweat lodge and they're like doing this. They don't take ayahuasca, but that's what it feels like. Is it ayahuasca or ashwagandha? No, ashwagandha is the vitamin. There's both. I mean, you do both. They do both. And they're sweating and I'm like, this is literally what I want. And I've been Googling like best sweat places and it's not coming up. What is going to happen? Um, it's like, as the it's a full moon ceremony. So like at night, as the moon comes up, it's like a old traditional, do a, 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 like a two and a half hour long meditative ritual. 
and like and i don't think it's like that hot but i just like there are like right, hot right. stones that they right. bring in and right. like yeah and like a little moon dome yeah, thingy. yeah. my favorite like a little igloo yeah. yeah so i don't know i'm gonna try it like i, I like weird shit like this like, how this did you find I this i just i don't know they know me they know me I, like, you when know, are like, you I'm going like, like mid-october can it is is your lover coming with you yeah, but I don't think she's going to go for this. I occupy every step of the spectrum you from, like, white lab coat medicine to, like, doing ayahuasca But and that's what lodge. you should be like, doing. You should be you doing everything. You just got to do it all. I know. You should do it all. Do you think that I could crash your romantic party? No. <laughs> but we could go back. Shit! <laughs> Why? Is this your honeymoon? Uh, kind of. Oh, man. I'm not allowed to crash your party, but I'm going to be so much fun in a sweat lodge. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know. Okay, but you have to give me the information. But the point is, you know, you can do anything and everything, and whatever gets you there gets you there, and that's the most important thing. David, I'm so excited. Is there any last thoughts that you have um, that you want to share for this week? And we will be back in a couple weeks. And I want you look. I mean, here's the thing. I wrote down. All the questions <laughs> that I have, um, uh, that I and have I for myself, rip. for you, <laughs> like literally this past a couple months, anytime I thought of a question, I would write it down. Um, questions that have been written to me in regards to emotional support and beauty in the brain, um, and things that just I, I've been curious about, or people have asked me that I don't know how to answer. Um, so. First and foremost, we want everyone to keep writing in and asking the questions for David. Um, when you write in, do hashtag beauty in the brain so I know it's for this segment. Um, final words, David. Yeah, I'm here. Send us your questions. Let me redefine words in the English language. Love it. And, uh, you know, rock and roll. Rock and roll, baby. Rock and roll. Um, well, thank you so much, David, for being here. I love you tons. This is Beauty and the Brain, and we will see you soon.